Would you put that down? I did. We're trying to do a, we'll do a show here. I put it down. She will not stop crocheting. I have a business to run. You have a business? Obviously. And I own 5%. Incorrect. No. We negotiated. I own 5%. Incorrecto. So anything she makes, I make. He's I'm her manager. Putting, he's not putting any Do you want a commission piece by her? Talk to me. What? Back to it. Um, Welcome to Nerd Escape. Where we talk about everything underrated and overlooked. I'm your host, Cammy. And I'm your host, Jablar. Man. We're drinking a beer. Yeah, yeah. What is the beer we're drinking today? It's uh, Cowboys from Hellas, and it's a Munich-style lager made by Independence Brewing. Do you know what reference that is to, the, the name? Uh, Highway to Hell? <laughs> <laughs> nice try. It is a Pantera song called uh-huh. Cowboys from Hell. Oh, cool. Cowboys from Hell! Oh, okay, boy. back to the real subjects. <laughs> uh, today on Nerd Escape, we are talking about... The comic book, independent comic book, Night Hunters. Woohoo! Uh, this is episode 15 of Nerd Escape, Night Hunters. Yes, yes. Um, this comic book came out in November 2020, mm-hmm. and it's only on two issues, y'all. Yeah. And our creators. We've got Dave Baker, who is our writer. We've got our artist, Alexis Zirit. We've got our letterer, Robert Negrette. And we've got. Floating World Comics, who published it. Nice. Yeah, I saw they're out of uh, Portland, Oregon, which yeah. is interesting. Cool stuff. Oh. And we also, we should just mention right now, we got to interview Dave Baker, yes. the writer. It was so cool. He's such a joy of a person. He really it is. was great to connect with someone else. Literally like, a whole gym. He, he even felt it first. He's like, I've been <laughs> in this quarantine. <laughs> it's like us two, we've just been locked up. And basically, yeah, it was nice to talk to a new person, meet someone new. And when we interview creators, it pretty much just we ask the questions a part of the Q and A, but pretty much it just turns us into us like kicking it and nerding out. Yeah, so it's, it's really good. It's like having another friend. He's a huge nerd. Oh yes, <laughs> uh, Star Trek nerd. <laughs> <laughs> just all around good guy and has a lot to talk about. So yeah. and I'm I love being in a circle with friends and just exchanging ideas and uh, opinions. So it was really good. Nice. So. To wait, just wait for that. We're gonna run through our know, little motions, the motions of our podcast. If you listen, you know what they are, and then we'll get to the Q and A, and Dave Baker will join us. Boop, 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 boop. All right. So Dave Baker, uh, as a writer and an illustrator, he has written for 20th Century Fox, Universal, and Cartoon Network. He currently um, is has a highly anticipated graphic novel called Forest Hills Bootleg Society, and he co-wrote it with um, Nicole Go. I do believe that's how it's pronounced because it's G O U X. And if I'm thinking of like French and then French Creole, I'm just like that sounds like Go. Nicole Go. So it'll be fun. So he has also a couple of other works that include Action Hospital, Fuck Off Squad, <laughs> and Star Trek Voyager 7's Reckoning. Yes, he. you'll see he loves Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Um, isn't he, he's coming out with a new Star Trek, correct? That's the one. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah it's very good. We got a sneak peek of it. Yeah, we did. <laughs> All right, now let's talk about our artist, Alexis Zirit. He is originally from Venezuela, but he is currently living in Florida, and he's lived there for the past decade. He is a big illustrator and has illustrated for Lucasfilm, Complex, Threadless, Patagonia, Metallica, Cartoon Network, and Black Mask, the other one of the other. um, I I have Black Mask. It's pretty interesting. Super, and I think Black Mask is also a um, publisher, right? I believe so, yes. Because I think I have something on my shelf that is by Black Mask. That one about the black superheroes. What if, like, superheroes were all black or something like that? that? Yeah. I think that's what it's... I don't know. I could be wrong. Yes, and his art is very, very bright. Yes. It's like almost... It's not like neon color, but it's like every background setting, it's like saturated in like a color that like sets the tone for that. Yeah, and he has like... He uses the black background to really help... All his characters really pop off. You're right, yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's all it kind of carries on just through all his comic books. And it's, it's really interesting. I've never seen any other 
uh, comic book artist had that where Ditto. it's just like the background color just changes as it goes oh, to like yeah. the panels and it's really good. Oh yeah. Uh, he is also um, a part of the art collective Out of Step Arts, which is really, really cool. And he also co-created um, and drew for Space Riders and Tarantula. So we like to we like to know these things. Next, we have our letterer, Robert Negrete, and he specializes in penciling and inking comics and illustrations. He's based out of Los He's based out of Los Angeles, and he is he has earned his BA in studio art from Stanford and has contributed to the Action Hospital comic book series. Okay. That's about all I found on him. But I think that's a really good career, honestly. We give shout outs to lettering. And honestly, all he, day. yeah, I think lettering <laughs> is like his side gig, but he does an amazing job lettering for this comic book. I, I, I really liked it. You're absolutely right, actually, because it has sometimes you have to have that, uh, that like that Matrix typewriter. Yes, feel. it's very much like Matrix typewriter. Yes. Like, I would definitely uh, describe it as that. And this, and this comic book does have like almost the 80s, like, like typing on a keyboard, you know? Yeah. Like, like the green going on the keyboard and uh, so yeah. yes it's it's a very uh you'll see that david baker uses the term like bootleg yeah and it kind of is like a bootleg comic in the indie feel but it they night hunters you'll see that you know they were going for like that cheesy 80s uh name oh yeah hands down and so it and i didn't really realize that until we talked about it and i was like okay i can see that now. yeah so like robocop type of feel thing oh yeah hands down <laughs> And next, we will talk about Floating World Comics. So they are technically an independent bookstore based out in Portland, Oregon. And they're also an independent publisher, which to me is a double whammy of coolness because it's not very often that you can get a independent bookstore that also independently publishes. Most times it's one or the other. That's really cool. Yeah. And so they've published over 60 comic uh, comic books, graphic novels, and um art monographs and of course they're based out of portland oregon they yeah they, they've done a lot so they're very much dedicated to putting out comic books graphic novels and books into the hands of people that you know are independent and things like that and people can even come in if like if you have a zine you can literally come in and sell your zine through their store and what i've seen or what, what we heard you'll see from dave baker that don't they let their artists like fully own yeah. their, their titles, which yeah. is really cool because so cool. Most publishers. comic book publishers are like, all right, we own twenty percent of this. Yeah, you know? publishers they love to eat money. I mean, by their publishers. <laughs> well, I'm gonna need them to chill out. They didn't do the work. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> So for Dave Baker, you can find him on IG and Twitter at xDaveBakerX. You can find Alexis at uh, on IG and Twitter at a z i r i double t. David Baker and Alexis have some really good content. Uh, David Baker work his like he does artwork as well. Oh, like yeah. he uh, he does, he draws his own like comic books and he creates. He's own creator, own illustrator, and even his work and line work is just, and his character builds are just, it's beautiful. I sit there and just like stare at him, I'm like, look at this! This looks so good! And he's like shoving it in my face, and I'm like, I I see it, I've seen it. And Alexis Zurit, top-notch poster. Oh yeah, he, hands he, down. He's be posting some gold memes. Oh like, my gosh, He makes so his good. own. <laughs> and he, yeah, his, his story is just like always packed with like stuff, and I was like, damn. Oh yeah, I love it. post over here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and our letterer Robert Negrete is found on IG and Twitter at Rob the Sentinel. Sentinel, yeah. She yeah. keeps getting Sentinel and Centennial mixed yeah, up. Yeah, I get Sentinel and Centennial <laughs> wrong. It's weird. It's just it sounds very similar. Um, and Floating World Comics, you can find them at Floating World Comics on both Twitter and IG. Nice. Yeah. All right, we're gonna jump into just briefly briefing. We're gonna jump into briefing you on Night Hunter. Yes. Um, Dave Baker, he gives you the run through as well. Oh, yeah. But here at Nerdscape, we're not going to spoil anything for you, but we're just going to give you the cast of the story and the setting, and it's really good. Yeah. So ironically, or I guess coincidentally, this I read this, and it, it kind of dropped around the same time that the video game Cyberpunk came out. <laughs> yeah. And when I read this, I was like, this is what Cyberpunk wish it could be. Like, straight up. Oh, yeah, hands down. Like, I was like, like so basically... It's 
it's in the future, so it's in the year 2057, and it's in the city of Gran Caracas. They're in Venezuela, and Gran Caracas is the Venezuelan capital. Um, but this is a huge, there's like, the setting hits you right in the face. There's just huge prison skyscrapers. The prison skyscrapers are like numbered, so it's like uh, Peace Prison 21292. So there's a lot of jails everywhere. And the max capacity in 2057 is uh, 73,000 residents with a six-year waiting list. Yeah. And this place is split into districts, and they even give you the average household income, which is like 2.6 Bolivieres. And with that, they also give you like murder rates. And so murder rates are like 2.7 murders per hour. Yeah. And there's like one where it was like super high, like yeah, and and, crazy. and it follows that it was like in the poorer areas, the lower income, the more like crime rate, the more murder rate went up, which makes sense. Yep. Um, you know, and so this this story kind of gives an analogy to um, kind of the movement we're going through. Uh, it's a very ex- extreme analogy. Like, hopefully, we won't get to this term, but everything is run by the cops in this world. Yeah. And. Basically, if you're a little kid, follow two characters named Ezekiel and Julian. They're little kids. And basically, they see all this cop propaganda on the walls. And the cop propaganda might be like, peace through superior obedience. And there's just like, you know, they're like, I can't wait to become a cop so I don't have to sit here and eat rats and like they're homeless. So you have a very cyberpunk environment, heavy police presence with cyborg enhancements. Mm -hmm. These cops have like another set of arms like below their real arms yeah. and like holding machine guns um and the poor kids want to be cops so they can just sleep in a bed and have a uh, food and yeah. have you know real food and so the cops in this world they actually have three benefits that only you can get if you're a cop one is you can have your baby born in a hospital so i, I imagine you probably can't even go to the hospital if you're not a cop yeah. or next cop yeah. uh two you can rent an apartment if you're a cop. So you can only rent an apartment or a house or a living quarters if you're a cop. Yep. Um, and then you can only run to be a politician if you were an ex-cop. Right. So pretty much they run the world and you can imagine in this, they're pretty like just, they think they're the hot shit basically. Oh yeah. So you follow these two brothers, incidents has happened and you jump from 2057 to 2078. Basically, this is just an immersive world, cyberpunkish world, and you're introduced to these characters in the future, and they're like these super cops, and yeah. they're called night hunters. Yeah. And so from there, after being immersed in this environment, like the environment's like really thick in the backgrounds, like the cyberpunk field is just like it. It's the right way. It's oh, yeah. the way it should be done, and it's it's really awesome. Um, so we're going to jump into some characters. I introduced you to the, the little brothers, the kids. Uh, Juan, he's an old man that takes care of Julian and Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. And he kind of has like, I don't know, like he was an ex-skateboarder look. Like he has that like flip hat. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But he's a sweet old man. He like kind of keeps the Ezekiel and Julian like very close to him. Like, yeah. you know, keep up because they got to like get past like, you know, and they're always being hassled by cops. Like, hey, like where's your right. IDs? Or, hey, they want to join the recruit for the cops. And then you have characters like Crystal Ball, which Crystal Ball, Crystal Ball, which is he's like a scrap trader. And he's just like kind of this grotesque like guy, like in a little like store hut. And he's just selling you like he, he trades your scrap for money, basically. Mm-hmm. So in the future, 2078, uh, the three districts in Gran Caracas, uh, the household income goes down. And guess what? Murder rates go up. Prisoners or the prisons are filling up even more now. They're like into the hundred thousands. And you have a super cop unit that has a seven year contract with the CIA. Uh, it's a new cyborg logistics and tactical response and the vision of super technots. So they're called the night hunter units. And so in this night hunter units, you have these different super cop agents. And so you have agent Pedro Camejo which he has cyborg arms and legs. He has facial implants that alter his construction and his facial features. So that's pretty interesting the way they like use him to infiltrate things. You have agent Maya Broco. She is a marksman and she has ocular implants. So she can see in infrared, night vision, and heat signatures, which is really cool to play with in the art because when oh, she's yeah. searching for stuff and scanning, like she's looking through the walls and trying to you know see what's going on in there. 
And then you have Rodrigo Cortez, which I like his name because Cortez is kind of like cortex, like your brain. Sure. That's what I think. <laughs> um, but he is a reconnaissance expert and he has psionic implants. Cool. So basically he has a dermal frontal cortex and add, he has add-ons in it. And so he can make psychic suggestions to people. He can do mind tricks and he claims he can just, you know, blow up people's brains, but they kind of make fun of him for that. Yeah. And last, which is one of our uh, main characters is the sniper Sombra. He is really cool. He is so modified, like cyber, like genetically, mm -hmm. like just the body parts that he, his vocal cords don't even work anymore. He just does clicks. Yeah. So it's one click for yes and two clicks for no. Yeah. And so it's really, he, a really great character. Um, we'll talk about him a bit more in the Q and A uh, with Dave Baker, but it, he just looks really cool. He has his like black hood on, like almost like executioner style, like this one red eye that shines out. And I just love the clicks. When he's like shooting his sniper, he's just like, like, you know, getting, I don't know if he gets excited, but he's just like, kind of has this like cyborg feel, but then he has like this very humane thing still about him. That's right. really great. You have this crazy cop world. Yeah. Where, you know, this comic book has like this rough aspects too. Honestly, it's like a grittier Blade Runner. Grittier Blade Runner, yes. Um, I don't know if you watched Robocops before. I no. imagine you haven't. But in that, like, Robocops just, like, like you know, killing people. Okay. <laughs> and like, the criminals. So, like, the crime there is pretty bad. Like, uh -huh. But the crime is kind of forced to be bad because if you're so poor, you can't even rent an apartment. Yeah, oh, yeah. you're going to, like, trade drugs. Yeah, you're going to, like, Try to run find from the cops. some way to, like, live. But, yeah, sometimes these cops get out of hand and, like, people are running. And like they're trying to find, they're trying to chase down two people, and then the cops are just like shooting blindly into a crowd, yeah. and just being like, "We're trying to save you, don't you know that?" And like, so uh... there are some like moments where you're just like, "Oh man!" Like and this is only issue one and two, and the cops, the the state needs to get it. That's all I gotta say. Yeah. And you'll David Dave Baker doesn't spoil anything for us. He pretty much kept us on the line about what's gonna happen, which yeah. good. <laughs> I'm very glad and appreciated that, mm -hmm. but. There's some hope in this story. There oh, really yeah. is. And it's a really good drama, too. Oh, yeah. Hands yeah. down. That, like, you know, people from the future grow up and things happen. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, yeah. Well, Cue the clicks. <laughs> so we are finished with our portion of this lovely comic book. We're so excited for the next issue. But right now, we're going to go ahead and get into our interview with Dave Baker. Dave! We love you. You ready for this? Wait, are we humming the same song? Nope. I was humming Space Jam. <laughs> I was not. What were you humming? No, just my own hum. You ready for this? Come on and jam! Yikes. <laughs> All right, cue the music. Get to this song. <laughs> oh my God. If you need me to repeat stuff because of whatever the fuck is going on out back with this goddamn chainsaw, you just can't even hear it. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, good. Because it's, <laughs> it's pretty loud. So if it does get louder later on, just let me know and I'll, I can say stuff again or whatever. Yeah, oh yeah, gotcha. Welcome to the Q and A, uh, Dave Baker, with chainsaw in background. If you hear it, <laughs> <laughs> we love to set the tone yes. here. <laughs> but how are you? Just give a shout out. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be talking about Night Hunters. You know, exciting to to meet anybody new. Oh yeah, because yeah. I just see the same three people every day. <laughs> well, hell yeah. Well, hopefully we stay connected. Yeah. We're all, we're always nervous about. So, all right, we're meeting someone new. We're asking about their art. You know, yeah. we'll get into it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, I'm Jablar. This hey, is Cami. I'm Cami. <laughs> yes. And where are you? Where are you living right now? Where are you coming? Uh, from? I live. Yeah, I live in Los Angeles. I live in K-Town in nice. L.A. Um, yeah, it's nice. I wish I could live in K-Town in Los Angeles more, yeah. but I really just live in my goddamn house. So, <laughs> yep. But we'll jump straight into this. I guess there's two questions that we always ask ourselves about comic books when we talk about them or stories. And so we're just going to go around the table here. Um, we'll start off just from being from the reader's point of view. Uh, and I'll ask Cammie, what is your favorite thing about Night Hunter? 
I would definitely have to say the world building. It's just really been extremely intriguing because I felt like it is um, an extreme look into what we're dealing with currently. So it definitely hits yeah. home and I'm just like super excited to see where the story goes because I can only imagine how much more intense it could get. And yes. it's exciting. <laughs> um, same question to me, my favorite thing would be, I like the variety of characters um, with the different like cyber uh, genetic modifications, if you want to call it that, and and just how thick the background is. Um, so oh, yeah. I always feel like I'm really immersed, like when I'm seeing this, and it's like really dirty. Yes. And I was straight up with you. This this story, I read it right when that terrible game Cyberpunk came out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Cyberpunk. And I was honestly like, this shit is like this is what Cyberpunk wish it could be. Yep. Like it's straight up. And I was just like, look at the backgrounds. Like look at these like punk ass looking people with like laser eyed like modifications and like fishnets and so these citizens in the background like the cyborg punk citizens like really made it for me now it's like it's really thick in this city uh, that you're in the venezuela it's just uh, what's it like it's Las grimy yeah, yeah it's just it's grimy and i love the, the the modification part of it with the cyber crazy like night hunter cops and just with the background of people yeah uh, a question to you as the writer of the story what is your favorite thing about it <laughs> if it's creation wise or just as a favorite? yeah yeah uh, well, I guess I guess one thing I would say just to kind of set up the conversation is that if somebody who hasn't read the book, uh, because, you know, maybe there's some people who haven't because it's a little bit more of an indie title. Uh, it's written by me, Dave Baker, illustrated by um, Alexis Zirit and lettered by Robert Negretti. And it is a post-apocalyptic uh, cyberpunk crime book that takes place in the fictional city of Grand Caracas, 100 years in the future. Um, and uh, Caracas, Venezuela is where Alexis, uh, the illustrator, is from originally. So okay. it's kind of, I don't want to say it's based on his life because it's fucking not. It's like a crazy, <laughs> you know, anti-police thing. But it's it's about like the feeling of, of Venezuela from his perspective. And I kind of helped him mold what the story would be and mold the characters. And we kind of developed it together. Um but he, he came to me like with all the characters fully intact. He was like, I want to do this guy, this main robot guy. I don't know what his story is, mm -hmm. but he's going to have a hood and he's going to have one eye and some cyborg arms. Like, what do you think this guy's story is? Nice. Um, <laughs> and cool. um, yeah, yeah. So the story is kind of about these two adopted brothers as they worm their way through the underbelly of uh, Venezuela and they, they are forced to make decisions and make compromises about uh, how far they're willing to go um, to survive. And um, my favorite part about it, I think, I mean, the real answer is Alexis's illustrations because they're oh fucking amazing. Yeah. They're so, so good. But if I'm going to be self-aggrandizing for a moment, I think my favorite element of the book is the, the kind of like high concept in air quotes that like in the near future in Venezuela, there's this law that's been passed where if you want to rent an apartment, if you want to have a baby in a hospital or if you want to run for public office, you have to have been or currently be a police officer. And the conversations that I've had with people uh, based off, just off of, not even reading the book, but just that high concept, the conversations Alexis and I have had, the work that has come from that very simple kind of like, this will never happen. Yeah. Uh, and then like now we're living in a world where it like genuinely feels that like there's just this blue life matter crazy fucking death cult that like yeah. shit like this absolutely could happen. Um, I think that's the, the interesting thing about me is the teeter-totter between, you know, um, the, the farcical nature of reality and the fun uh, emotional exorcism of science fiction um, and the, the, ten the tension between those two. Yeah. Definitely an analogy that's going to be too scary if it's too close to yeah. being that. So I totally get that. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, breaking it down there. Great breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So our next question, Laura, is who is your favorite character? My favorite character, I got to go with the star of the show, uh, the Night Hunter Sombra. Um, he just looks cool, as he explained, the dark cloak, the one red eye, um, and his cyborg body, there's just enhancements. It's just really cool. Um, and I just love that he communicates with clicks. Oh yeah. So it's like one, the, the one click for yes and the two clicks for no. Um, it gives him a creepy side, but it also still um, it's holding on to his humanity. Yeah. So like 
you you're like damn this dude's like really super powerful but you also feel like a lot of empathy for this character um so i can hear the clicks in my head in different tones like depending on how he's feeling so if it's like when he's freaking out and he's like on a sniper binge he's just like <laughs> like he just like can't even communicate and say the words that he wants to say right. um and so just the things that he's endured and whenever like he's you know whenever he goes to his house and he pretty much just has to like recharge his body parts and everything it was just kind of like very wholesome where he's just like you know still taking care of his dad and everything like that yeah so that's my favorite character the night hunter sombra i don't have i don't have a favorite character and that's only because i've just was so immersed in the story as a whole i was like i the world is building the characters yeah. and so i'm just like i'm enjoying every single character and i cannot wait to kind of see where their past and their personalities start to come out because i'm Who, here for who's it. gonna get got next i don't know <laughs> <laughs> have, have you guys read you read the first issue right read one and two one and two yes. oh one and two okay yes. okay I, so, I couldn't yeah, like, yeah i get okay, mine cool. from the um from our article bookstore here in uh austin yeah but uh, I've been seeing like my friend who like put me onto it. He's like, I got my signed copy. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, hell no. Where'd you get that from? <laughs> but um, to you as a writer, uh, who is your favorite character to just build for writing? Mm, that's hard. It's kind of like you're choosing your kids, right? Yeah. You're always, you're always kind of like, oh, I like this one today. That's why I'm writing that one. Oh, I like this one today. Uh, I think it's... I really like uh, Stance, the the CIA operative yeah. guy. Yeah. Especially, he gets developed a lot over the course of the arc. And also, there was a he was originally going to be a very different character. In fact, originally he was a woman, and then Alexis okay. changed that character and gave that character a lot of things that I don't want to spoil over the okay. course of the book. Ah. And uh, <laughs> and so so to see where that guy ends which was it, it the way that character ends is is was an alexis idea totally like i had i had set the character up kind of like if we did a second book stance would be maybe not the protagonist but like the connecting tissue okay. maybe or okay. something kind of like he would always be around in the background doing stuff yeah right um you know as as this kind of metaphor for the the first world meddling in, in the developing world and always trying to manicure things and 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 honestly just a, a, a presence of white superiority and, and white supremacy not superiority Jesus white supremacy <laughs> <laughs> and and how how those governmental levers are, are always there yes. whether yeah. you think they are or not right um, so I like his character a lot but I also really yeah I gotta agree with you man I, I like Sombra a lot oh, yeah. I think it's, it's really it's really fun to, to write those to the little weird permutations of clicks especially because the book is all about navigating the world that is made of greys with a black and white mindset oh, yeah. and you, both Julian and Ezekiel the two brothers Junk Boy and Sombra they, they both of the characters have their own versions of black and white and what they think are right and wrong yes. it's a very they're both very binary yes. people and the fact that that's manifested with the Sombra character in literally he can only speak in binary ones mm -hmm. and zeros ah. is it's really fun to me <laughs> yeah you just yeah you just blew my mind right now. <laughs> I was like <laughs> different way to look at it oh yeah Yes, next question. <laughs> so, who, uh, sorry, I'm just, <laughs> this is actually, I just, <laughs> my brain said, right? Because I was like, so intrigued. So, this is to you. Okay, who are some of your favorite influences when it comes to writing as well as art? Hmm, uh, in, on the illustration front, because I'm, I'm an illustrator too, um, the the people that have probably shaped the way I draw the most are uh, probably like Erge, Chotaro Ishinomori, okay. uh, uh, James Stokoe. Um, there's uh, it's like five Jeff Darrow. There's like a, there's like five hundred people that I'm always like, oh yeah, that's <laughs> great. That's good. Yeah, um, yeah. gotta yeah. have our, our pockets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in terms of writing, the people that influenced this book specifically. Um, I would say probably like mid '80s Pat Mills, um, Paul Verhoeven, obviously because of RoboCop and uh, Total oh, yeah. Recall and right. Starship Troopers. We talked a lot about Starship Troopers and and a lot about how um, you know the movie itself isn't actually a movie; it's a historical document from a fictional universe 
where they're at war with these aliens. And so it's a it's a it's a propaganda movie. It's it's a satirical propaganda movie that Paul Verhoeven is making almost in this kind of like metatextual commentary on America and how America sees itself. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of going into this, what we were talking about, where the book, not that the book is even that highbrow because Alexis and I both really love bootleg culture and love kind of like when a movie gets popular and then they make a really shitty knockoff version <laughs> in Italy. So that's, we were, it's kind of like that, almost like if, if there was like Night Hunters to me is like, the shitty little brother to a very high-minded, big-budget thing that exists somewhere else. And then we're kind of like making this weird, almost more artistically pure, but a little bit clumsier kid brother version of whatever that thing is. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, but I think that the two that we talked about a lot when we were first starting, what, what it would feel like, the world building, what the um general aesthetic would be uh we talked about a lot of anime stuff like bubblegum crisis and uh cyber city oedo 808 and uh, the original apple seed um okay. as like the aesthetics and then from the writing side it would be like that you know mid 80s 2000 ad john wagner or uh or or pat mills uh era 2080 okay. not not so much nemesis the warlock more yeah, of the yeah. side. No, I was definitely this does have a bootleg feel to it. But oh, that's yeah. what I mean, people are drawn to that. They're drawn to like the it's very poppy, flashy. It feels like it has the eighties vibe with the art from Lexus as well. Yeah, I was seeing some of your that's what I was looking at. I was I always compliment your uh is this combo called a grind that you're working on? <laughs> dude, I just I'm, yeah. I'm always just like staring at these. I'm always mm-hmm. like, oh my god, like when you have like all the characters lined up in a circle. So like and it has an '80s like movie poster feel to it as well, and it's like I, those are really good. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's be part of the question is like, what are you reading right yeah. now? Like currently? Oh, oh okay, yeah, yeah. Um, let's. Uh, the last <laughs> like, couple things I read, I'm looking at what I my my pile over there. What I read, the last couple things I read were, I read the first issue of Orphan and the Five Beasts by Stoko that Dark Horse put out, which I really liked. I'm okay. a big kung fu okay. movie fan, Shaw Brothers fan, so I really like that stuff. Okay. Uh, I really like that book. Um, I read the first three issues of Post Americana, Post Americana by Steve Scrochi, which I also really enjoyed. I've seen that. Uh, yes. The Image book. Um, and then, um, oh, the other thing I read, which is not necessarily related, because uh, uh, I feel like, my, generally speaking, it's like, is it weird and esoteric? And or is there just like a lot of detail, like somebody just like laboring over drawing rubble? Like that's the, that's the dumb shit that I usually respond to, and uh, I feel like there's probably something quintessentially male about that, where you're just like, "But look at all the work." No, I am the same way. I'm like, "Look at that wall!" Like, or like, oh, like, yeah. like, like, like seriously, like looking at the rocks, like or piles, like there's debris. You're like, they took so much time on yes. that debris right there. I think I was talking about there's a scene where there's a manhole cover, and I was like, "Look, it has the name of the city on it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whenever Ezekiel's running and he has pulling the thing, and yep. it's like, it says Grand Caracas. <laughs> yeah, I was so excited. I was like, look at the detail. <laughs> right. Yeah. Getting yeah. into the mind of the creator, what he's reading, what's yeah. the influences, it's always really fun. Oh, yeah. Um, but next is uh, just some simple how and when. How and when did you and the illustrator Alexis Zuritz meet and start collaborating? Uh, yeah, we, we, uh, it's kind of hard because, like, being a, a comic book person is kind of like being in the fucking circus where you're like, <laughs> You're just always on the road. You're at conventions. And right. you, there's this weird thing where you're like not sure if you met someone on Twitter or in real life or Instagram. Like it's this weird thing of like it's a small family where everyone knows each other, but right. also half the people don't like each other. So there's this weird like <laughs> like hey, it's that guy, but I don't like that guy because I'm the murder for the murder murder. <laughs> so it's this weird thing where like you don't. I personally don't like really remember a lot of like how I met certain people. Mm-hmm. Alexis, I do remember because we have we have mutual friends in that I was friends with Andrew McLean, the artist and writer of Image Comics' Ed Lopper. Okay. And we were all tabling next to each other at a convention. Definitely a <laughs> yeah, convention. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we all went to dinner one night after the show and we were talking about something. I don't remember what we were talking about. Oh, we were talking about Masters of the Universe. We're talking about Masters of the Universe, the movie, 
And it was like Andrew, me, and Alexis walking in a little pod, like behind a bunch of other people as we were going to dinner. And Andrew was talking about how much he loved the, the, the aesthetic of that movie and how the movie kind of didn't live up to the aesthetic, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, which I feel like is a pretty common opinion. Like, yeah, the movie looks great until they get to Earth <laughs> and then it's dog shit. Um, yeah. uh, but we were watching, we were talking about Master <laughs> Universe and, and a- Andrew had said that he loved it and Alexis started talking about it. And I said, oh, you know, they actually were gonna make a sequel and they built all the sets, but then they ran out of money and so the director, Albert Pune, used those sets and costumes to make the movie Cyborg with uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Wow. And Alexis <laughs> Alexis looked at me and goes, I fucking love Cyborg, man. <laughs> 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 and then, yeah. and then he like, and then he turned to uh, Andrew and was like, hey, this guy's all right, this guy's cool. And like, basically from that moment on, like we owe our entire friendship to, to Cyborg. Oh, nice. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm which like- is funny that we made a book about cyborgs. Yeah. It really, like, it tracks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I asked that question. So just oh, for yeah. that line right there. Brilliant. Um, yes, and to add on to that, uh, from your messages in the back of the book, which are really great, yeah. um, it's almost like, it feels like, like a journal entry. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you know, talking to us. But what was the original name for the book before it was Night Hunters? Oh, uh, we had a few. The one that was on the original draft of the script was uh, was King Killer Squadron, I think. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't like that title. That was a, that was a placeholder. Uh, and then there was another one too that I think it was going to be called Black Thunder at one point. Okay. I think that was Alexis's name. He was originally calling it Black Thunder, and then I said, "What about King Killer Squadron?" He was like, "Nah, it's too long." And then. He was like, it's too long and it needs to sound like a shitty movie from the 80s. It needs to be goofy sounding. And I was like, okay, I like that. I like that idea. And then he was just like, fuck it, let's call it Night Hunters. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. But yes, I will name the team Night Hunters. Yeah. yeah. He was like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do that. Um, so that name alone, I feel like will catch people off the bookshelves like, like no, yeah. Night Hunters. Because I don't even think like cheesy 80s movie. I think like, I don't know get stabbed with a knife right? I don't know. <laughs> like night hunters to me actually does kind of feel very cyberpunk kind of situation just like it reminds yeah, me yeah. of um and i'm blanking on the movie uh god dang it harrison ford oh the uh, blade, runner. blade runner blade runner yes yeah so, so it does have that vibe yeah, too. yeah that's what for it sure me. yeah what's your opinion yeah, we, blade we're runner? both Alexis and I are both really big Blade Runner fans. I uh, like Blade, yeah, Rain, Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah, I love both of them. I love yeah, both of them. Me too. Um, you fall asleep. I fall asleep. First <laughs> all the time. Hey, you know what? We all we all have our personal tastes. That's cool. There, there was a period in high school where I was like, mm, Blade Runner sucks. Because yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to like it because everybody else liked it. And then I grew up and was like, actually, this movie fucking rules. <laughs> Yeah, Harrison Ford beating up cyborg ladies. <laughs> Kiss me. Yeah, yeah. That that moment. I just recently rewatched it like two mm-hmm. weeks ago, and that moment specifically is like, Yay! oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It is. I was like, damn, Harrison Ford <laughs> came a long way. Yeah, like it's it's supposed to be this like masculine machismo like he's giving her what she really wants but she's too timid to say thing but it just is like rapey like it's real rapey it's not cool it's not cool you know what's highly erotic consent consent is sexy as fuck you heard it (laughs) you heard it here folks you heard it here consent (laughs) is sexy yes it is yeah Yes. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the pull quote for the episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll pull that one. Yeah. Oh, Highly erotic. Yeah. So, what does the battle cry "Death by Metal Hands" is no death at all? What does it mean to both the story as well as to yourself? Hmm, that's a good question. So I guess to set it up for people who haven't read the book, there are two mantras that there are two warring factions in the, in Grand Caracas, one being the police and the other being this kind of loosely affiliated group of street gangs. And w- the police have a slogan, which they say while murdering people all the time, which is um, crime doesn't pay unless you're a cop. And I feel like that's fairly self-evident. You know, it's like blue lives matter, bullshit propaganda quote. And then um, the the gangbanger characters have this 
kind of mantra that's uh, death by metal hands is no death at all, which basically means like that in, in the universe of the story, it's this kind of um, rallying cry that like we're all a part of something bigger and these these people who have chosen to sacrifice their humanity, if they are able to stop us or if they're able to take my life, it doesn't matter because the mission is bigger than me and ultimately their uh, cybernetic enhancements, which are a metaphor for their inhumanity, will not win. Like we will outlast them, we will survive this, even if I am not here anymore. Um, and that is kind of what it means to me. Like I, I was in a real dark place when we started this book. Um, it, we, it, ironically, we started it, I think, probably in like 2018, 2017. Okay. I don't quite remember, but we started a long ass time ago and then we ran a Kickstarter for it. Um, and we basically, you know, we showed it to a bunch of publishers and we got some offers, we got some passes and ultimately we couldn't really find a situation that worked out well, either for timing reasons or contract reasons, whatever the case may be. Right. And, um, I showed it to Jason at Floating World and he basically gave us carte blanche to do whatever we wanted. And we also own the book because I think a lot of people don't really understand that most publishing companies that claim to be creator owned, they take 50%, like they're not really creator owned. And Jason doesn't do that. We own all the rights to the book. And so the country, uh, you know, I feel like people have kind of already moved on, which is terrifying to me. And I can also feel it within myself a little bit where I'm just like tired. And like, I don't check CNN or other various news sites like every day, multiple times a day. I do it maybe like once every other day, which yeah. isn't good. It's not good <laughs> because there's still kids in cages. Right. It's fucked up what's happening. And like, you know, Derek Chauvin is on trial right now uh, for murder, mm -hmm. like for murder. And culturally, it's like not really a thing. I mean, yeah, there was like a little headline on Twitter today that was like, oh, Derek Chauvin's on trial, guys, which is just like, I don't know when. So basically, this is a very long-winded, and I'm sorry for rambling. No, but it's no, a long-winded way of. Yeah, this is great. It's a long-winded way of saying. You know, I don't really have a particularly large platform, and I also have a lot of privilege as a straight white dude. Like I, I am, not beset upon by the inequities of the status quo in the way that some other people are, and that is one of the reasons why I found it even more vital to make a thing that reflected the world around. Me. And there was a previous, like one of the initial iterations of Night Hunters was significantly darker. And then I kind of tried to make something that wasn't as rooted in reality and was dark in a farcical sense. Right. And then over the course of us making it, reality fucking caught up. Mm. Like it sucks. Like there's a moment in issue two where there's a couple cops chasing a gangbanger through oh, yeah. a shopping plaza. And they start yelling, we're here to protect you. We're here yeah. to protect you while firing indiscriminately into a crowd. I wrote that like three years ago. And the world then obviously was riddled with police brutality and a military industrial complex that funnels directly into local law enforcement. But it still didn't feel as real because as a culture, we all hadn't agreed that this was a problem. It right. was just like people on one end of the spectrum being like, this is a problem. Yeah. yeah. And now, thankfully, a large percentage of the population, as we saw through these massive Black Lives Matter protests and also the, the George Floyd protests, and thankfully it feels like people who it didn't directly affect are starting to realize that nothing's gonna change if we don't all cooperate and act together. Um, and so the that, that ridiculous pulpy science fiction battle cry of death by metal hands is no death at all is my small way of trying to say like look even if even if this comic were to end alexis and i's careers which i mean what fucking careers do we have it's fucking comics like it's seven nerds <laughs> in a fucking basement like it's not a thing but if it would if it would i would want that the ethos of that battle cry to extend well beyond us i would want someone else to make their version of their truth and their night hunters and their fuck it if this is the only thing i get to say before i fucking you know shuffle off this mortal coil or you know get gunned down at a traffic stop yeah. that opportunity so that's that's what that means to me 
Yes. I need that on a <laughs> t-shirt. Death by Metal Hand is no death at all. <laughs> and by the way, speaking of t-shirts, you can, listeners, get a Night Hunter t-shirt with the first cover on it. It's dope. We both have a pair. We're going to do a little photo shoot for some pictures for the yeah. post when we do it. I was looking at it, and I started reading this comic book, and I was like, I'm going to get this badass shirt. Here comes Cammy over my shoulder. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you haven't read this yet. She's like, that looks pretty cool. So I put it on my bill, and we both have a T-shirt yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Thank so you we'll, very much. I we'll really be, appreciate we'll that. We'll be rocking those and uh, promoting those. We'll take a picture when we do the actual post for all this. That's awesome. Yeah. But thank you for that. That is, yeah. I will carry that uh, battle cry with me from now on it's even yeah. more. I need it on cup. Um, And also, okay, this question comes from um, the city. And whenever you set the point where, so the city that we're in, there's just like humongous skyscrapers that are prisons, basically. Like they call them peace prisons. Their capacities is like up in the 75 Ks. They go up to like the 100,000 Ks or 100 Ks. And there's like waiting lists to get in there. And then from the sections of the city, like the north, the south, and the west, um, you have the uh, average income for households, and then you have the murder rate. And I, I realized that average household goes down, the murder rate goes up. Um, so do you believe that a rise in poverty will cause a rise in the crime rates? And just generally, I mean, go ahead and just tangent on yes, that, please. Literally, yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like that's a fairly, uh, yes, that was intentional. And um, and also, that's that's also something that like, if you, in the first issue, there's a bunch of uh, propaganda posters that are kind of all throughout the city that are these kind of tongue-in-cheek, coquettish uh, little uh, sayings that basically the, the establishment or, you know, the, the, the police state uses to goad people into doing whatever they want. So there's one where there's, you know, uh, the main characters are walking under this big kind of like building-sized mural that says uh, peace through superior obedience. Yes. And it has these big handcuffs uh, handcuffed wrists and there's a bunch of statistics like citizen because of you we fucking didn't have as many murders keep on keep it on but don't fucking rob nobody or whatever you know whatever yeah. it is right. um and yeah the i mean one uh i'm uh i'm originally from arizona um and um arizona is a very interesting place uh which is a polite very guarded way of saying uh, run by institutionalized racism and completely fucked up educational system that has a near uh, a, a near stranglehold on a a schools to prison pipeline. Like it is just it just is a thing in Arizona. Yeah. Um, partly because of lack of access to good education in various areas of the town uh, or of the state. Um, partly because there are really only two cities, real cities in the, in the state. There's Tucson and Phoenix, um, and and partly because um, there is an increased level of um, what I would probably politely say is a organized and concerted effort to discourage people of color from aspiring to more. Um, there was a law in the mid 2000s, which has since been repealed, thankfully, um, called SB 1070, which was basically the Arizona version of stop and frisk. Um, But it was specifically stop and frisk around if somebody was perceived to be an illegal immigrant. Um, And how do you, how do you, how do you guess if someone's an illegal immigrant? I don't know, maybe by their skin color, maybe? Because it's right on the border? Yeah. There's not going to be any problems there. That's not going to present any sort of like incentive for police officers to stop black and brown people and just like search them for no reason because it basically takes probable cause out of the uh, equation at that point. It just it's a it's a government card, you know, uh, ID for institutionalized and systemic uh, manifestations of racism writ large. And um, so yeah, there's there's a I, in the book there's stuff that's kind of metaphorically examining these things and also venezuela itself has a very my go-to word was going to be rich history but it's horrifying it's it's a it's a a, a terrifying level of of uh fascism and and um corruption uh that um i'm not even going to pretend to be an expert on i'm not at all um i did research before writing the book but most of this is based off of 
Alexis's perspective on things and then filtered through a science fiction lens. And uh, the fact that over the course of us making this book, we have sent each other numerous articles about Venezuela, mm -hmm. that stuff that's in our book is right. like fucking terrifying. Yeah. It's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, there you go. Another another long-winded bullshit <laughs> answer for like a one-sentence question. Yes, those statistics were purposely written that way. Um, uh, yeah. It's okay. We love long-winded long-winded answers because yeah, <laughs> tangents are a thing too. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so the last question: What feelings or thoughts do you want readers to take away after reading Night Hunter? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I think that would depend. It, 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 I think that answer you would get a different answer depending on the day. Today, I think the the answer to that is that I hope that it is both a compelling character study and genre exploitation that is a fun ride, as well as something that inspires a kind of pessimistic sense of hope. In that, even though things are really bad, we're not going to give up. We're not going to go anywhere. We're not going to surrender because when that happens, uh, then we truly lost. Yeah. And I think the, uh, the book has a very bleak opinion of humanity. I don't necessarily know that that's my opinion, but over these last four years, it's been really hard for that not to be my opinion. Yeah. Oh yeah. How, how did it make you feel? Cause that was your question. I know because it is it is some like the parts where the people are running through the streets and they're being gunned down. They're just pedestrians. Like my okay, my part of feeling is like some of the super genetic like cyber cyborg cops are actually really cool. Like they had like like their their modifications and everything, but then you have that side of it where like the main little you know police officer cyborg cop is just gunning down everything and it's just like oh, so. I know we're all on issue two so far, but I'm just like, it has to come around full circle with like a good ending with like people getting what they're due and like justice being served. But I don't know. Yeah, he doesn't know. <laughs> I was like, and, and so it, it's this, the sci-fi aspect is like awesome. I love that. But then you have that, like, like that far-fetched analogy that is, that reflects to our world, which is like, it's the brutal, but it's like the brutal truth, you know? Yeah. I and I think the main reason why I had that question at the top of my head was it just felt so real and I think it was and I agree the pessimistic hope I I did feel that because I was like well it seems really bad but there has to be something like there's that good in there somewhere it's it's kind of like it, hidden by the shadows but I know that it's there like it felt I felt it on the page that it's there, but it's not inherently like aware and the readers aren't inherently aware of it. Yeah. And so it just, I was taken aback cause I was like, man, this feels a little too real and I need a moment. So I, I think it was just, the story was brilliantly done and I'm just, I'm so stoked to see where it goes because I, <laughs> I don't think I read we, anything. We that, need some hope like, to rise up <laughs> yeah. a little bit. <laughs> it's like fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think one of the things I'll, I would say in response to that is that when we, when Alexis and I first started talking about this, he said he wanted to draw cops, and I was like, the two things I know about that are one, he's gonna draw some cool looking fucking cops. Yeah. But two, I don't want to make a fucking propaganda bullshit piece of <laughs> yeah. shit. Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't need that in my life. I don't want to have that as my um, claim to fame, right? Like, I think a lot of people in America don't get that Judge Dredd is an indictment of police state. Like, oh, it's yeah. it's it's funny that he's <laughs> this unbending, shoot him up, ask questions later type of character. They're, they're mocking that horrific status quo, which hopefully is some of the stuff that we're doing, right? To a degree, to a degree, to a degree. Where um, the idea that we would make something that is appealing where there are people with badges indiscriminately murdering people was something I was aware of and attempted to make the point of the book, sort of. So I will not say anything more than that, just that whether we <laughs> succeed or fail in that is up to the reader. I, I, I don't know if it succeeds, right. but the goal was not to make um, fucking 
I don't even uh, the movie SWAT. Like, yeah, I don't even like, know of like a show that is that anymore. Captain like Falcon I feel like cops. I don't know something like. Yeah, that. exactly. Like I, 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 I just that's yeah, that's that's not something that's interesting to me. Uh, it's more interesting to me to attempt to examine the gray areas mm -hmm. in people and attempt to um, expose flaws in what I view as an ob objectively fucked up system. Um, even when it's in the distant future and there's a fucking, you know, oh, yeah. law that you can't have kids unless you fucking be a cop or whatever. You, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, yes, thank you. That's the end of the Q&A with Dave Baker, the writer of Night Hunters. Um, and we'd like to give you this opportunity to give you the floor to just rip it up. I know your work, you just uh, dropped a new title. What's, yeah. What you got going cool. on? Yeah. Um, so uh, my I wrote a Star Trek miniseries uh, published by IDW, which the trade comes out in May. All four single issues are available currently. It's called Seven's Reckoning. Um, uh, it's the first new Star Trek Voyager miniseries in almost two decades, really. Like it's it's a long a long time since there's been one. Um, and I I'm a huge Star Trek nerd. And I just I, for the audio listener, I just. Picked that. up a Cisco toy, like that's yeah. So anyway, but uh, yeah. So the Star Trek uh, Star Trek book is out right now. I'm very excited about it. It's uh, it's about a the the Voyager crew finds a, a ship adrift in deep space that has a race of aliens on it. That um, their whole society is organized around story, and and so uh, Seven of Nine has to go over there and help them try and rehabilitate their ship, get it back in working order, and get sucked up into a plot. That may revolve around a an apocalyptic fable that may or may not be true in their culture. Mm, cool. Um, and then uh, with the artist Nicole, oh, that's with uh, uh, Angel Hernandez oh, uh, is the artist yeah, yeah. on that book. Um, and then uh, Nicole Gu, artist of uh, Shadow of the Batgirl, uh, and I just uh, announced that we have a book coming out with from Dark Horse called Everyone Is Tulip, which comes out in June, which Sorry. is currently being serialized on the internet so if you want to read that shit for free you can go to everyone'stulip.com and uh it uploads three times a week monday wednesday friday okay. uh book comes out june 29th uh but yeah, the website's yeah. really cool <laughs> thank you went, very much I, I went to the website it was really cool that everybody's doing yeah so, cool but yeah now i might uh, yeah I, I never really got into star trek but i might you might uh open us up to a star trek story let's do it yeah <laughs> <laughs> We like good written stories. So oh, yeah. We'll definitely do that. But thank you, David Baker. Yes, thank uh, you so much. Stay in touch. We never met at a Comic-Con, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we did. <laughs> this was a test. You don't remember us? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the goal. So that, that, that's that's the goal now, right? That's what we got to work towards. Yes. Yes. got to work towards us meeting at a convention and being able to shake hands and hug and be like, oh, yeah. oh this is amazing. We're all vaccinated. Hey, yeah. Wait, really? Are we getting ours this week? Yeah. yeah so. Me too, right. baby. Thursday. Hey. Hey, she gets her Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, virtual high Wait, five where, on where that. You... Mm. Where yeah. are you guys? Uh, where you guys live again? Austin, Texas. You said this. Yeah, I'm yeah. a bad friend already. Oh no, it's okay. You're totally fine. You're California, but you don't. I forgot the area, but you don't really live Los in Angeles. that area. <laughs> what was it? K Town. K Town. Yeah. Yeah, I live in. Yeah, I live well, in. We don't actually live. Really. But, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I actually do live in Los Angeles proper. I just don't go anywhere in the city. No. It's, I just live in the the house. Oh me! You're like, this is my city. This is. <laughs> at, at this point, it fucking feels like it, man. I'm just having <laughs> conversations with fucking Wharf and Jordy LaForge over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're here for you. Let's yeah. stay in contact, man. It was oh, yeah. It was so great meeting you and talking to yeah. you. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks yeah. for talking with us. We'll stay in touch. Yeah. We'll hear from you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah, Have a good no one. Problem. Thank you. Peace. Thanks again, Dave Baker, for interviewing with us. It was so, so exciting and so much fun. Wasn't he awesome? Like, it, it, all those interviews, like I said, they always turn into us just basically kicking it and nerding out. And he's a nerd. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're like best friends now. Yes. I hope to stay in touch. Uh, once again... Go out, find Night Hunters. It is a rarity. It's only on issue one and two right now. Three is coming out, I believe, this month in April. And March, I think, issue four, you can already make pre-orders for. And you know what? I hope the trade comes out because I'm going to buy that too. Amazing cyberpunk story. Cops. 
in the world, they're going to get it. I, I feel it. Justice is going to be served. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> but this is episode 15 of Nerd Escape, Night Hunters. I'm your host, Jablar. And I'm your host, Cammie. Deuce, y'all. Bye. Catch us next time. Follow on Nerd Escape at nerd underscore escape on IG. Check out the pictures. Peace.